knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. You found your way to the 223rd episode of the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what I have to say about wading boots. 20 minutes about wading boots, you say? Yes. Here's why. A few reasons. One, I think it's important. Two, it is probably in the top five areas of interaction and feedback that I get from people who listen to the podcast and and read on the website. And uh, thirdly, uh, it's that time of the year. This is being recorded in February. People are wanting to buy new things for the new year. So it's a a timely topic. So uh, one, I think it matters. Two, you think it matters. And three, it's a thing that people buy this time of year. So that's what we're talking about today, waiting boots. So what are waiting boots? I don't want to uh, talk under you, my audience, but at the same time, some of these questions are the questions that I get. Uh, Wading boots are special boots designed to go on top of waders, specifically for using in the water. Now, are there uh, caveats to this? Of course there's caveats. You can wear wading boots with a regular sock and wade in them. You don't need to put them over waders. Uh, you can wear them out on the town, I suppose, but that's not the kind of wading boots that we're talking about. Uh, furthermore, there are plenty of waders that come with wading boots, but that's one of the first things that I wanted to address uh, is the difference between waders with integrated boots, boot foot waders, and waders with a stocking foot or a booty on them. Um, and the biggest difference there is going to be the benefit that you receive by having a boot that is specifically fit for your shoe when you buy them separately. Now, there are really high-end waders, and actually there's actually some uh, you know, um, economic waders that have uh, waders that have a integrated boot that have a tying system or even a BOA system, some sort of closure like a, a, a ski boot. Um, and, and those are great. Uh, the issue there though, is if one of your components fails, the entire system fails. Whereas if you have a separate boot and a separate waiter, uh, if one thing fails, then you only have to buy one new component. Um, one of the benefits real quick, I didn't want to touch on this. I have a whole podcast on boots and waiters, uh, kind of as a whole thing. And so this is, I'm keeping the waiter aspect of this short. You can go hop on, uh, castingacross.com and go find that podcast and some of those articles. Um, one of the benefits of having a boot foot wader, and I've really come to appreciate this as I've hunted more uh, the last few years, is that you are going to get a lot more warmth. 
by having that airflow between your core and even your 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 thighs and the upper part of your legs where they're going to be a lot warmer because they're close to your core all the way down your waders waders into your your waiting uh, boots and your your feet your feet are going to stay a lot warmer. You're also going to have the opportunity for some sort of insulation where you're not normally going to find that in a pair of wading boots. And you're also going to run the risk of uh, cutting off circulation if you have too many layers, a too thick of pairs of socks that you try to shove into your wading boot uh, and, and booty. So that's something that you can avoid if you really need uh, circulation and you really need uh, warmth uh, by having a, a larger uh, space for your foot to go in. You can accomplish that by getting a pair of boot foot waders, especially insulated ones. But then, of course, you're going to run into the problem of not having the kind of ankle support and and, and really the same sort of um traction options that you are going to have when you switch to a uh, a boot and a waiter. So that's just a little bit of, of, of caveat on the on the front end. Um, now, another thing that I've heard of plenty of times, you know, people see people fly fishing and they see them in waders, but they oftentimes see them in waders standing in water. And this is a question that I've heard, uh, again, a lot of times, uh, the waders have a booty on them. They are completely waterproof until you put a hole in them, of course. And so your wading boot is going to go on top of that booty and your wading boot is going to be completely filled with saturated um, and, and, and covered in water but your foot will stay dry. Now, again, that's that's simple if you've been doing this for a long time, but if you've never done it before, that's something that you might need to hear. Um, so I've, I've had that before. I remember working in a fly shop where people picked up a pair of boots and there's drainage ports in the boots. Um, so there's, you know, holes on the side to kind of pump water out. There's a little mesh, uh, you know, places for that so that uh, water can come out, but silt uh, doesn't, doesn't get in. People will say, well, my feet are going to get wet. Well, yeah, again, if you wear it by itself, then yeah, your foot's going to get wet. And there's options around that. You know, you can get a muck boot or you can get a, uh, a rain boot if you're just going ankle deep, but that's not what wading boots are for. Wading boots are designed to give you traction and stability on the water. And that's why I think they're so important. Going back to the very first thing that I mentioned as to why I'm having this, this podcast episode, I think wading boots are one of the most important things you can spend your money on. Uh, I said this about like um, sunglasses and fly line uh, before, where a small investment gets you a significant uh, increase in value. Uh, you know, you, you for a fly line, you can go from a good fly line to a great fly line, $50 more. Uh, sunglasses, the same thing. Wading boots, I would put in the exact same category. Uh, bottom of the barrel um, of uh, wading boots are going to work. And I fished out of these cheap, flimsy uh, uh, can, canvas wading boots with uh, felt soles for probably five or seven years when I first started fly fishing. And I, I did fine. But again, I was younger and I was a little bit more fleet and agile. Um, but I've really come to appreciate high-end wading boots, especially when I'm on the water all day. And you also usually get better components. So your, your, your wading boots, just like your shoes, are one of the most important things for your uh, your your physical health as well as your you know just from walking and then also keeping you upright uh, when you are walking and as much as that matters when you're walking in your office around a track you know, on the sidewalk wherever it may be that is exacerbated when you are walking through the woods and when you're walking in the water and so 
here's the the kind of the breakdown that I like to to think of when I come to talking to people about waiting boots. You have three options. And one, the, the first one, is really not even a, a waiting boot. It's more for wet waiting. And that's where you find the wet waiting sandals and shoes. And virtually every one of the major manufacturers has one of these options. It is some sort of shoe, like a low top. Sometimes they're a high top. Sometimes they zip up. Sometimes they tie. Um, sometimes they're sandals with multiple straps or something like that. Or sometimes they even are just a, um, a, a, a they go over your shoe or over your, your, your sandal that you already have. And they add a little bit of traction on the bottom of them, some sort of strap on situation. That is great if you have a lot of, of, of stability on your own. If you are going to be going someplace that does not have a, very difficult bottom uh, of a stream bank, or if you're hiking and using one pair of shoes, then you switch over to something like that because it's light and you can pack it easily. Uh, I personally have a couple pairs of kayaking shoes that I use for this. I used to just use uh, sandals, like uh, um, sandals that had a little bit of toe covering on them, but I have switched over to the kayaking shoes because they have a sticky rubber bottom, and it is a sticky rubber that blows what I have used and seen in fly fishing specific shoes. Um, it blows them away. Uh, that being said, there's some very good fly fishing shoes out there. Now, people have asked me, can I buy these fly fishing shoes or the kayaking shoes that I've talked about before on, on podcasts and written about on websites? And can I buy those and put those over my waders? Uh, yes, you could, but you're not going to get a few things. You are not going to get the kind of stability if you want to use these shoes on a long day of waiting. Uh, you're not going to get the protection for your waders that you would with a high top boot because one of the places where you're going to uh, run into problems is by your feet and your ankles sliding around on the on the stream bottom and walking to the, the water. And if you bump into something uh, that will penetrate your waiting your, your waiting waiter material, uh, that's where you're going to run into leaks. And that neoprene down by your foot and by your ankle is going to be repairable, but it's not going to be as resilient to multiple repairs. And once you repair it, now you have a weak spot. And so that's point one. Point two is um, your sizing is going to be all wonky. Uh, so if you've ever wet weighted in a traditional wading boot before, you know that you're, you have to layer up on socks or wear a sock and a neoprene booty. So, you know, basically just the, the bottom uh, ankle down of a pair of waders separate from waders that you can buy um, to, to make that boot fit because they're sized differently. Uh, these wading shoes and these kayaking shoes and just sandals are going to be sized like a normal shoe. And so there's no accommodation for all that extra material that would have to go in if you were using a, uh, a pair of waders. That being said, these are great for a second pair. Uh, if you like to do a lot of wet wading, if you, like I mentioned before, like to do backpacking uh, and, and you have to walk in a, a good distance to get to your water and you can switch your walking, your trail shoes, your boots out for a pair of wet wading shoes, having a pair like this is incredibly versatile and, and very, very helpful. I also like something like this if I'm in a canoe or a kayak in the warmer weather months where I might have to be hopping in and out of the boat, not necessarily in the water, but on the bank of the water. And uh, I, I don't want to get my normal shoes uh, wet and muddy. Uh, having something like this that dries out quickly 
is is really clutch for those situations. So that is like the the bottom end, not from a a value standpoint, but from like a um, a versatility standpoint and a support standpoint. Uh, the uh, the next thing that I would always suggest for people, especially if you're just getting into fly fishing or you're just getting a pair of wading boots, maybe you do a lot of stuff and you have a lot of gear out in the salt, but you're wanting to come in inland and fish for uh, trout for a little bit. Just get a lightweight, simple pair of boots. These are going to run between $100 and $150. And uh, oh, I didn't mention that before. For the wading shoes, I mean, you're talking uh, some really top notch kayaking shoes around $100. Bucks. And then some of the ones that get put out by the fly fishing brands that like have an integrated neoprene collar for your ankle and stuff like that, probably over $200. Um, so that's another reason why I like to go to the kayaking shoes. But as far as the lightweight wading boots, you're going to find things that are incredibly light. They drain fast. They dry out quickly. They provide you with significant traction. You're going to be able to find those for about $150. Now, boots like this are going to be your workhorses. They're going to be boots that you are able to slide on under most situations and most circumstances. They're not going to be very heavy. And uh, they're going to go with you anywhere that you want to go. And this is kind of your normal middle of the road wading boot. But why would you want to go from that? And we're going to talk more about wading boot features here as, as I after I get through the, the next category, because these next two kind of had a lot of similarities uh, in distinction to the lightweight shoe. Why would you want to go from a lightweight kind of mid-priced boot up to a premium heavy-duty boot? A few reasons. One, you're going to be on the water a lot. Um, if you've ever walked a convention hall, if you've ever uh, taken a vacation in a European city where you're walking a lot, um, if you just happen to be on your feet all the time, you know how much of a difference new shoes versus old shoes make, how much of a difference quality shoes versus kind of just run-of-the-mill shoes makes. Um, if you If you work in boots, you know the difference between a pair of well-made boots and something that just comes out of a department store shelf. Uh, the same thing is true with, uh, with, with fly fishing wading boots. Um, so you'll be fine with those mid-priced boots. And I fish probably 75% out of my mid-priced boots. But when I'm going on trips, when I am going to be walking on uneven surfaces, when I am going to be standing still for a long time, I like to switch to my heavy-duty, high-end boots because they provide a much more rigid foot base. They provide a, a lot more ankle support. And in and what this leads to is it, it reduces fatigue over the course of a day or multiple days. Um, this is something that if you have stability issues, if you have foot, ankle, knee, hip, back problems, then upgrading your boot will provide you some relief and mitigate the, the effects of being on your feet for a long period of time. And this circles back to the value thing. Like if you want to spend thousands of dollars on a trip where you're going to be waiting for hours and hours and hours, day after day after day, then spending another $100 on the front for a pair of boots that you're going to be able to keep for that trip and the next trip and your time on your, on your local water, it makes all the sense in the world, assuming you can afford it. But if you're affording thousand plus dollar trips, then uh, you can certainly shell out a couple uh, uh, hundred dollars for a good pair of wading boots. But I have both in my rotation. I mean, I've got even more boots than that. Some that just kind of are sitting around waiting for somebody to who's fishing with me to use. But I, I have those three pairs of boots. I have the um, the kayaking shoes that I wear when I'm wet wading or when I'm just being speedy. I have my normal everyday workers, lightweight wading boots. 
And then I've got my heavy duty boots that I will use if I am going on a stream that is incredibly slippery uh, or a if I'm spending multiple days upright in a, in a pair of boots. So that's kind of the range. Now, beyond that, what kind of features should you look for? By far, the most important feature when you are like looking beyond does this boot fit me and does this foot fo this boot provide what i need for stability is traction um and this is this is what separates waiting boots from just buying a pair of of discount hiking boots and throwing them on over your uh your your waders um, which you could do, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but the benefit of having a pair of wading boots, um, well, I, real quick, if you do that, they're never going to dry out. It's going to be disgusting. They're going to just uh, decompose uh, on you if you just buy a pair of hiking boots that happens to be a sized up like two sizes um, and, and throw them over your wading boots. They're just going to be wet forever. All right. Uh, wading boots are designed to dry out. Um, you buy a pair of wading boots. You're looking for the sole. What is the traction like? Now, there are... Um, a number of options these days and you, you see them all over the place felt is still a thing um and if you are fishing in a place that has very 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 if if even non-existent risk of moving uh, uh microscopic organisms that can lead to contamination uh then this is a great uh foot base to use is felt but felt because it is a fabric and because it is super porous will hold on to contaminants that can go from stream to stream and uh, biologists do believe that that has what has caused things like didymo and other uh, invasives to spread from stream to stream uh, but if you're staying in one place then felt's fine uh, if you're staying uh, in an area where this is not an issue felt is fine if you are willing to bleach your uh, boots then felt is fine felt is a really great option but what i use more often than anything is a rubber sole a sticky rubber sole uh, with studs a sticky rubber sole with studs is great because it is going to give you full traction on virtually every surface uh, whether it be pavement and I, I try to stay off the pavement in my studs because like if you've ever had metal cleats you know it's just gonna wear them down real quickly um, but it'll also work on mud, it'll work on grass, it'll work on snow, it'll work on ice, which uh, felt and snow and ice don't get along very well. Um, but then at various stream bottoms, it's going to work pretty well. Um, it is it is more versatile than felt on stream bottoms. Uh, it's not as effective in some situations, but it is going to be more versatile. Uh, now, some people say, I don't like fishing in studs uh, because it scares the fish. Well, if you're stomping around, you're going to scare fish regardless. So uh, is it a thing? It's going to be a thing. But is it a thing that is, should steer you away from them? Absolutely not. And I've actually fished in bars. So they are aluminum bars. So it's a softer metal, which will allow it to actually with your weight. I mean, your, your 150, 200, 250, whatever it is, pounds of, of weight on those, those metal bars as they step onto a rock it is actually going to deform ever so slightly and provide you with some traction. So I've fished in plain rubber. I've fished in rubber with studs. I've fished in rubber with bars. And they have all worked great. It depends on where you're going to be. I have a pair of boots that I fish in the salt where they are almost like little cleats, like uh, multi-toothed little uh, bolts that are on the bottom of a pair of rubber boots so this is great if i'm walking on incredibly uneven surfaces um all sorts of little you know ocean life and barnacly stuff uh, those are very helpful for that so you have a lot of options at your disposal 
um, and, and I usually don't throw out a lot of brands, but if you need a lot of options, then Corkers is the way to go because they have interchangeable soles. And people have been skeptical about these. And I'm sure they have failed. I have not seen them fail. I personally think that they are incredibly uh, well designed such that if if something were to go wrong in the, the, the foot of that boot where that sole attaches, there are a couple of other design features that's going to keep that sole attached. And so they give you the option of like, I mean, I have a pair of corkers downstairs and I've got four different soles for them. Um, and uh, they, they give me the option of bringing those with me or using my same high end boot in different situations. But this could be the situation if that's not your preference, if that's not your style, um, that what you could do is have your midweight boot be your, you know, your your rubber and your heavyweight boot be your rubber with studs or whatever it might be. But give yourself that versatility. Give yourself those options and uh, and talk to people that fish where you fish. What do they like? What do they use? What have they found that isn't effective um, and, and get that sort of feedback? Uh, the next thing I would say is go try them on. You can buy boots online and play the game of sending them back, but go try them on. Any fly shop worth its salt, any big box outdoor store worth its salt is going to have a pair of waders or a pair of neoprene boots for you to try on, neoprene booties, excuse me, for you to try on as you try on your wading boots. More often than not, you're going to be able to buy boots that are the same size as your shoe size. They have been sized up to accommodate the fact that you're going to be in heavy socks and neoprene booties. That being said, if you fall at a half size, the general rule is to go up. So if you generally wear a nine and a half, buy a pair of 10 wading boots and you can always add more sock. Um, wading socks, that's a whole other topic, but uh, get something that's wool get something that is not going to be give you too much compression and also uh, consider getting a liner sock that is going to provide just another moisture wicking option as well as uh, a little bit of a, a an air barrier uh, to allow that heat to circulate in your foot. So going up a half size is not the worst thing in the world. I'd actually prefer to do that than find a pair of boots that fit snugly and just right on my waders with my socks on underneath them. Uh, the next thing uh, to think about, and it might be the last thing I, I mentioned, is closure systems. Uh, I have boots that have uh, shoelaces, and I have boots that have BOA systems. Um, I like both of them. Uh, people say, oh, if the BOA breaks, then there's going to be a problem. Yes, you're right. If a shoelace breaks, there's going to be a problem. And honestly, replacing a BOA system, they get a little tool and a little bit of wire, it is not that much more complicated than replacing a shoelace. And if it happens out in the woods, um, you know, you, you mess with a wet pair of boot laces where the eyelids are small and your options for fixing that shoelace are actually not that great. The, the best bet for you is to go back to your truck, go back to your car, get that extra pair of boot laces, which you'd always have for all sorts of reasons. It's as important as duct tape. Uh, you're gonna have to go back and do that. I would say the same thing for if you have boa closure, uh, have an extra wire and the little tool that you need to do it. It's not that hard once you kind of realize how to do it. Materials, I guess there's a couple more things. Materials, you know, look for boots that are designed well. And these days, all the major manufacturers are going to design their boots well as far as what materials they use where. You're going to get toe protection, you're going to get ankle protection, you're going to get uh, things that are more rubbery around the toe and around the heel cap um, and around your ankles, less fabrics and, and, and nylons in those places. Um, but try them on. Walk around the store. You're never going to be able to perfectly replicate the circumstances and situations you're going to find yourself in when you're out in the woods. However, 
give it a shot. And that's going to give you a better idea of what to do. And worst case scenario, if it's a pair of boots you hate, and then you find something that you you like better, now you have a pair of backup boots. Or like I said, I've got boots downstairs that are perfectly fine. They're just not my my favorite. And so they're the ones that I let people borrow, assuming they have a similar foot size than I do. So if you want more information about wading boots, go to castingacross.com. I actually have a video on YouTube. I think it might be my most watched video. Um, where I walk through and, and showing examples and, and the brands that I use of, of wading boots going through those three kind of categories that I talk about. And that's where I get a lot of the feedback on, on wading boots is from that video. People will comment on YouTube or they'll email me or uh, direct message me about that. So because I got like three or four in the last week, I figured, you know what, um, do a podcast on this. So uh, hopefully you have a good pair of wading boots that keeps you upright, keeps you comfortable, keeps you focusing on fishing, not about how your feet hurt. If you have specific questions about this, don't hesitate to reach out. Matthew at castingcross.com. Happy to give you opinions on brands, on designs, on styles, on what might work where you live and fish. But for that last question, you know, you're probably better off asking your your local uh, fishing friends and fly shop. This week on castingacross.com. First article is called Trout Are Tough. Trout Are Tough. Spectacular picture I found from uh, um, an, a, a photographer for this one of a heron uh, doing business to a fish. I think the fish is dead, but it looks like he's fighting back. But anyway, check it out. Trout Are Tough. Uh, but the, the, the premise of this is, uh, you know, we think trout are like these delicate little uh, snowflakes. But the reality is, is that they put up with a lot more than like most mammals do. They put up with a lot more than most birds do. And so, yes, you can do a lot of damage to a fish if you're not careful, but they're a lot tougher than we give them credit for. So I talk about that from some, you know, science stuff and also from some anecdotal stuff. And Wednesday's article is called Now I Have Him. And uh, I got a puppy. So this is something that's been in the works for a few months now, but I wanted to surprise my family and a surprise it was and a hit it was as well. So this little guy is a lab husky mix and he is just all sorts of fun for the last four days that we've had him. And I'm excited about seeing how he fits into outdoor activities. I am not too big of a man to admit that I thought I'm not going to get a dog and take it fly fishing with me. Well, now I'm thinking like, I don't know, man, if he can hack it, that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see how that goes. I'm sure uh, this little guy is going to be a part of casting across in some way, shape or form in the coming months and years. This week's recommendation on casting across is an audiobook. Now, I've talked in uh, episodes past and on the website about how you can get on your library's website and you can download apps like Libby or Hoopla. Hoopla is it's fantastic because you get an allotment of free downloads every month. They have ebooks, they have audiobooks. And uh, this month, I've been listening to John Gearock's most recent book, Dumb Luck and the Kindness of Strangers. I'll probably write more about it sometime in the coming weeks and just add it to my book recommendations. Um, but it's just been so much fun, you know, going to work. I've got my podcasts that are kind of more serial style, news-based, things like that, that I listen to. But mixing this in and getting just that fun little fly fishing uh, injection throughout the course of the day and the week has been fantastic. So if you have time in the car, I mean, if you're listening to me, you obviously you know, listen to things off of your phone or off of your computer, check out Dumb Luck and the Kindness of Strangers. It's available on Hoopla, with there's, which there's a very good chance that's available 
um, through your local library. And if not, I'm sure you can get an Audible for a few bucks or if you have some or other audiobook subscription service. But um, I'll just put a link to the book itself, uh, Dumb Luck and the Kindness of Strangers, uh, up on this podcast show notes over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and then rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.